Hello and welcome to Roy's Rants. Hi, I'm Roy Stiffy, and I'm here with my co-host Alex, aka A. Charles Ross. How are we doing on this fine, wonderful day? Uh, pretty good. There were. Uh, I am now officially a year older, so I'm more powerful than I was last time we chatted. <clears throat> uh, well, happy birthday, old man. Um, uh, I, I, I hope that, uh, the day went without incident and I, I don't know if you hear that, um, my stepdaughter just left. So if there's a bunch of rack in the background, sorry, listeners, um, we, we don't record in a professional studio. Sorry. It's amateur hour here. Um, yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that, uh, the military, I live next to a military base. Like literally it's about the gate is about a block from here. Yeah. Um, and they were doing demolition tests and I didn't know. So about 9 a.m. <laughs> I heard this large explosion and it shook my apartment building. I was just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> so I got on the Facebook, a Fairborn Facebook market, uh, not marketplace, the group for the, uh, the town I live in. Uh-huh. And luckily I was able to confirm that it is just drill. Uh, so they stopped doing that around noon. So, um, <laughs> but I feel sorry for the people that were just going about their day and don't do Facebook and were just like, what the hell was that? Well, I suppose if you live next to base, you should kind of be ready for things like that. It's like true. You, you know, you live next to an airport. You better be prepared to hear the, the jet go off or, you know, places take, you know, planes take off, stuff like that. But um, before we start today's show, a couple of little topics. I, I did do a Roy's Rants roundup that I published uh, last week where, uh, well, it'll, it'll be last week, uh, when this publishes, you know, in the future, <laughs> uh, where I basically talked about a couple topics, but I, I did want to get your uh, opinion on a few things. Uh, yeah. Cause we've had a couple of trailers come out since the last time we talked. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your, uh, what's your take on, uh, the new, uh, fantastic four reveal? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I so the rest. So the the with the reads the only one I'm like eh about. The other ones are are actually great, even though I'm not familiar with the actors who play Ben and Johnny. Um, okay, so the guy who plays Johnny, um, he played the the wacky guy Eddie in Stranger Things, and the okay. guy who, the guy who plays Ben Grimm, he plays the um, jerk cousin on uh the fx series the bear if you ever watch the bear uh he's he's kind of an obnoxious a-hole but um i've seen him in a bunch of other projects too the uh the lady she's been uh, sorry sue storm I, I i should have brought up the imdb i did talk about this in the last episode she, so i i um, recognized her from mission impossible she was in one or two of the movies and i yes. liked her in those but you know the, those three aren't like huge names they you know, and I yeah. think that's kind of my problem with Reed. I, th- I think Pedro Pascal was a choice of saying, well, we want to get someone who is not mega mega. Like we don't want to, we don't need a Vin Diesel or a Schwarzenegger type person here. We need someone who is pretty hot, pretty popular, but not like too popular. That he's a household name. We're going to make him a household name by the end of this. But the thing is, Pedro has been so like, in nerd you know people's faces so much that it feels very like bashing you over the head with the casting i would have loved for them to have kept krasinski 
Um, yeah, me too. Know, and just shave the beard. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, well, I didn't mind the beard because it fit that version of the character. Well, I um, wanted it to be 60s, you know, 60s scientists don't have beards unless they're John, unless they're, um, I'll, I'll accept Johnny Quest. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Quest's dad. But for the most part, when it comes to like 50s, 60s scientists, they're usually very clean cut. Um, so that's, that's another thing with Pedro. I'm kind of like, I just don't, he just does not fill me with Reed Richards energy. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be better than Miles Teller just by showing up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I mean, there's a lot of other reasons that Miles, Tell Miles Teller was bad in that movie. I mean, hardly anyone was good in that one. Um, yeah, we'll have to no, cover Fan Four Stick at some point. Um, um, yeah, we should definitely talk about that atrocity. But I, I think I think with this, this casting, I love the, the – what really excites me, though, is the look. Um, the look of the logo, the design of the Valentine's Day card, Screams 60s. Uh, I think they're doing what we all kind of hypothesized, that basically it's kind of like Captain America, the first Avenger. It's going to be a period piece, and they're going to get like stuck in time, um, and then they'll join the Marvel Universe proper later. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what they're going for, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah, I imagine they'll be stuck in the negative zone, uh, like in Fan Four Stick, but better. Yeah, I was super hyped to see the negative zone in that movie, and they still ruined it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I mean, obviously, I want it to be good. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't crazy about Chris Evans playing Captain America at first, and he obviously proved everybody wrong. I, uh, I still need to see a multiverse thing where he and Johnny run into each other, and it's him versus him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing that I was. There's almost a part of me that wanted the cast from the Tim Story movies to get another shot. Um, that was another thing too that surprised me is that how old the cast is. Not they're old, but they're older than what I expected. Um, they're all uh, Johnny is the youngest one, and he's thirty. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, to his credit, when he was in um, Stranger Things a couple years ago, or was it just one year ago? I can't even remember. Uh, he played like a late early or like a late teen, early 20 something. So, you know, he, he looks he looks young enough. They're like, eh, baby face. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's, but... you know, that that's for people who grew up in the 80s and 90s. We need our high school kids to look like they're 30. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they look. 90210, baby. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, I hope it's good. Um, I want it to be good. Uh, yeah. So, it, I think the best Fantastic Four movie we've gotten was Rise of the Silver Surfer. I, I like the the Tim Story um, Fantastic Four movies. Uh, I have <laughs> one of my best friends, may he rest in peace, but when he was alive, he hated the Tim Story movies so much that he actually started a letter campaign harassing Tim Story. And I was just like, Ryan... Bro, you need to calm down. Those movies aren't that bad. He's like, they're not like my Fantastic Four. I'm like, I'm gonna trust. You. I'm gonna tell you right now, that's probably the closest you were getting to Fantastic Four at this point. And then he saw Fan Four Stick, <laughs> and he he walked up to me and he's like, Roy, I, I just want to say I'm I'm sorry. You were right. I owe Tim Story an apology. <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, there were some other trailers, uh, other promotional things. Uh, Wolverine. Oh, sorry. Deadpool and Wolverine. Not Wolverine and Deadpool. But that'd be funny if they did some ads like that. Um, what, what did you think of that little teaser? Uh, I thought it was great. Um, I'm very excited. I'm glad they didn't reveal, like, a lot. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of set photos that have been floating around. But, uh-huh. um, you know, I'm not. I'm probably not going to watch any more trailers. I, I probably shouldn't even have watched this one because I was going to go see it regardless. Um, well, you know, I, I mean, I've seen rumors about uh, Daniel Radcliffe playing a version of Wolverine. You know, I've I've seen all sorts of things like all the other X Men characters are going to show up in one form or another. Um, yeah, we did see Pyro um, showing up, which I thought that's an oddball choice, but sure. Right? Yeah, I was like, I was like, where do I, I saw him? And I was like, who the hell is that? I recognize him from somewhere. And then I, it clicked. I was like, oh, he's just like twenty years older than the last time I saw yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, so I'd like to see like Sean Ashmore in there. That'd be great. Um, yeah, you know, um, man, pyro thing would be funny. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it's going to be a wild ride. I'm sure the plot will make no sense, uh, but uh, I just hope the internet doesn't get itself too hyped up because the same thing happened with Multiverse of Madness, where they're like, "Oh, Tom Cruise is going to come in and play Iron Man, and we're <laughs> going to see all sorts of weird stuff," and that didn't happen, which isn't the movie's fault. That's what isn't really what they set out to do well i i think one of the biggest complaints of multiverse madness and i like the movie i do it's it's one of the darker um more vi- more like it's 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 funny but it's also like sam raimi doing a horror film in the marvel universe but the big problem is you know you call yourself the multiverse of madness you don't spend most of your time in just one other universe they should have done some more universe hopping uh, for something like that, not just that one scene where uh, Doctor Strange and uh, uh, America Chavez, is that her name? Yeah. Uh, is just tripping through, like, you know, like a two minute sequence where they're like, bam, 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 and then they run into Bruce, uh, <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Um, I wanted a little bit more meat on that with the multiverse aspect. Yeah. I, I think, I think that Marvel was probably like, well, we already did. Uh, what if on Disney Plus people are okay with us just doing this other thing? And I'm like, no. I think they also, I think Disney's arrogance is that they assume that everybody just watches the Disney Plus shows. And that's not always the case with a lot of people. A lot of people are like, listen, if you don't put it out on physical media, like certain someone I know, <laughs> it's not going to happen because I'm not subscribing to everything. And I get that. I totally get that. Um, but I will say this, I have yet to finish Captain Marvel on Disney Plus, and yet I watched the Marvels the other day, and I found that movie to be fantastic. I absolutely loved it, and it was a shame that it underperformed. I, I, I'm one of those people that, like, I like I don't go to the movie, th- I know I've said this a million times, I don't go to the movie theater alone, and so when my wife says, I have no interest in seeing a movie, I'm like, well, I guess I'll wait for digital or whatever. <laughs> because i just i just every time i go to the movies by myself i just feel weird it's just me yeah (laughs) (laughs) i need i need a i need a person next to me uh to see like in case i have like commentary immediately following the movie or not but but yeah i i i thought the trailer was fun uh i did talk uh to uh my stepson on our other podcast about it and uh he was pretty psyched for it as well so uh 
I, I think I think this saying this movie is going to save the Marvel Universe is such a gross exaggeration that drives me nuts about the internet. Like, there's so many people out there who are like, oh my god, thank goodness they saved the Marvel Universe. I'm like, they had a few bumps. It's not the end of the freaking world. It drives me nuts how hyper-reactive fandom is with this stuff. Yeah. Plus, plus like you said, they're going to work themselves up so much that it makes me think when the movie comes out, we're going to get a huge wave of backlash to say, like, this is the worst Deadpool because they went woke, because they went Disney. Which, in a trailer where Deadpool mentions pegging, <laughs> and Disney in the same sentence. No, they didn't. <laughs> they did not. Uh, they did not Disneyfy this movie. So, um, I, I was very much pleased with that. Uh, I hate that toupee though. But <laughs> that, I mean, it, it looks bad. I'm sure that that's just that's for a joke. But it just looks so creepy, weird. Um, I hope they make some horrible jokes about he he kind of reminds me of uh just someone who should be on a watch list if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but uh yeah we had that we had our kingdom of the planet of the apes i can't remember if we talked about that or not i, mean, I don't remember um I, I may have spoken with my son my stepson about that but uh i am super psyched for kingdom of the planet of the apes i've been um watching YouTube videos about all the Planet of the Apes movies. I'm getting ready to start re-watching them. Uh, there's something about Planet of the Apes. Even even the bad Apes movies are still fun to watch. Well, I mean, they've been on a hot streak with the ones since, you know, this reboot with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. They've all been really good. Yeah. I, the thing about the last one is that it's such a Debbie Downer, but it's a good one. It's very hard. Like, I started watching it one day, and... My wife was sitting here on the couch doing her thing, and she'd look up occasionally, and she'd be like, oh, my God. And then the next 10 minutes go by, she'd oh, my God. And then she's like, why are you watching this? This is so depressing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> but it, but it, the funny thing is, it's so good, though. I mean, it's a post-apocalyptic movie. Things are not going to be that great. I mean, yeah, there are post-apocalyptic movies that are fun, uh, Night of the Comet, stuff like that, you know. Um, I feel like Borderlands, even though it's like an alien thing, we'll talk to them about that in a second, um, feels very post-apocalyptic. And even like Mad Max Fury Road, post-apocalyptic, but very fun. But also a lot of tragedy happens. Yeah. <clears throat> but But something about the last Apes film was really like in your face. Like, hey, this family that fought, you know, that... Uh, the main ape fought to keep safe. Yeah, they're dead. <laughs> Woody Harrelson just shot them dead, you know? So it, it is a downer. I'm looking forward to this one being more of a, an adventure. It feels very adventure-y. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of the original <clears throat> in a yeah, way. I, I hope I hope there is an astronaut. I hope there is. Because they planted that seed in Rise of the Apes. Um, in the movie, you actually hear radio talk every once in a while about a mission, a space mission. Yeah. And it goes awry. So, you know, they're hinting. They're drop they were dropping little tiny little hints. So here's hoping that we're now getting into the adventure part. But I mean the original apes movies are dark. You know, the the, the one they bring the apes back in time and it starts off like a comedy. 
by the by the middle of the movie it's it's downright a chase and then it turns into a tragedy so you know i'm sure there's going to be some tragedy in this if it's you know if it's an apes movie it's definitely going to have some moments where you're going to feel bad sorry but i'm looking forward to it <laughs> now i just got to figure out how to convince the wife to go after the last one <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe um, I'll just I'll just drag my stepson. I'm sure he won't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but speaking of um, uh, border borderlands, um, we just got a new trailer. Uh, what was it yesterday? Yep, that was yesterday. It was, yeah, it was yesterday, or as I like to call it, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Four. Holy crap, that trailer was <laughs> trying too hard. <laughs> and, I mean, it's not the first movie like here recently to like try to copy that vibe i mean both the suicide squad movies tried to do that i mean hell they even hired the director to film the second one yeah but with the trailer they're like let's play you know pop 60s 70s you know pop music while these wacky goofy characters uh spout one-liners and kill aliens i'm like yeah it's very guardians <laughs> it's very very guardians. yeah and no, i've never played borderlands uh i played i played borderlands like a long long time ago like i think on xbox 360 <clears throat> it's got to be like a decade <laughs> it was okay it was, it was it's a looter shooter i'm not the biggest looter shooter fan in the world but it, it was very colorful uh I, that's the funny thing like when it comes to like shooters i am not really big on sci-fi shooters like i i i like um uh, bioshock uh the, the bioshock series itself but i've never had the wherewithal to just keep going and finish them like i try them i work with them for like a week or two and then i'm like ah, i'm bored i think i think there's only one sci-fi shooter i ever played to completion and it's so funny because it was one of those it was one of those games that came out um you know, Xbox 360 had a couple of what you would call like not triple A games, but maybe like a double A. I don't know what you call it, but it was like it was like a medium release where you're on a Russian uh, nuclear power station and you can control time. You had like a gauntlet on your arm and you could actually move back time to like recreate structures. Like say you walked into a room and the uh, bridge across the other side of this giant room is like rusted and falling apart. Well, you could actually use your time dilation device to actually rebuild the bridge for a small time and cross it. It was pretty cool. I, for the life of me, I can't remember the name. That's the only one of those sci-fi shooters I ever finished, though, because I was really fascinated that by it. And no like one bought Quantum it. Break, but that was during the Xbox One era. Um... <laughs> I, I played. I played a lot of those sci-fi shooters with friends, and I. I I was always like, if I got bored, I let them take over. And that's how we would beat those games because I could never do it by myself. Nowadays, I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to play COD. <laughs> I'm so basic. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's a movie that's meant to attract, weirdly enough, maybe people that aren't fans of the game. Like, it's trying to, like, stay somewhere in the middle. Like, hey, we need to attract a new audience. So they can, one, buy tickets for the movie, and then when they're done go buy the game yeah uh, i mean that's that's definitely we'll talk about go buy the game here in a second um because there's there's some news about gearbox um but uh the uh aspect of making a movie wide release for a general audience always puts a sour taste in the fan's mouth 
yeah uh, every every time a fan sees that sort of stuff they're like why did you change this why did you change that it's like yeah because we're trying to appeal to a, a wide audience you end up getting films that are like hated on by the fan base but actually do fairly well in the box office but then you'll never see a sequel <laughs> because the uh people who make them are like terrified that if they make the sequel then the the bitching from the mega fans will affect the other fans and the other fans won't want to see it yeah, I was like, I had no idea about Kate Blanche's character, and I was like, man, she's hot. And then I was like, looking at the comics, I was comments, and I was like, oh, I guess her character in the game is like in her twenties, and Kate Blanchett's fifty. Uh, yeah, it's isn't it so funny about Kate Blanchett? She's she played the villain in Thor Ragnarok, and she always like she always kind of skews older, but also so attractive. <laughs> Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like I'm like, what is it with, about her? She's got this weird, timeless beauty that like, she's it's, almost like she's an elf. Yeah, it's it's funny because like yeah, the character she's portraying, I've seen her before, like screenshots from the video game or whatever. Even if I ever played, I don't know. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I was definitely skewing younger, but she's she's very funny. She's very witty. She pulls off the look. The hair is awesome. Um, I'm sure there are game fans out there who hate it. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, broad. definitely for sure. If you just jump into the comments for the trailer, uh, there's a lot of people that hate it. Yeah, well, um, screw them. <laughs> it, it's kind of how I feel about the the Halo. Like, as a fan of a Halo, I hate the show because <laughs> I love the show. That's the funny part. Um, I hate Halo, the game. <laughs> that, that and that's fine because my mom likes it, and I was like, okay, this is a weirdly, it's a show made not for the fans. I don't understand why you would do that, but it's a thing, well, and I guess. If it draws more people to the games, why not? Here's a perfect example. I started rewatching Halo because I knew the season two was coming, and I I trailed off because I'm an idiot like that with new shows. I like I start really strong <laughs> and then I get I get distracted. So I started watching it again, and Ruth came in and I thought for sure I was going to have to shut it off. I'm like I'll shut it off. She's like, no no no, go ahead put it on. And she starts to ask me questions like Who's that? Why is that going on? Like she was intrigued, and by the end of the episode, she goes you know what? I usually crap on all your suggestions for TV shows, but I kind of want to watch more. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So like every Sunday I'll like pop it on whenever she's not in the room. Cause I can't get her to like, when it comes to things that she doesn't pick herself, you can't get her to like watch it or on her own. No, mm -mm. you have to like somehow pull, you know, pull teeth to get that to work. Cause I don't know why she has this weird fixation that if someone tells her to suggest to her that if someone like in her family tells her to watch something it's bad if a stranger tells if a stranger told her to watch halo she would have been already finished with the thing but me telling her she won't do it and i tell her this i i point this out there i'm like you always do this i said every time i suggest something to you you're like nah i don't want to watch it and she never replies she never like defends herself she never like says like i don't do that um <laughs> so it's like she knows she knows she does it it's like she can't help herself. So getting her to watch Halo was um, kind of amazing. But the funny thing, like this this trailer for, you know, Borderlands looks fun. I want to see it. Uh, it's also got Jamie Lee Curtis uh, as another character. Uh, and uh, Jack Black as, as the voice of the little clanker dude, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> um, and, and for some weird reason, um, oh, what's his name? Shorty. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is is Star Lord in this, obviously, um, but not as funny. He's trying to play the straight man. That's kind of weird. 
I, I don't know. He, I just he just seems like the same character he always plays. Uh, go back and rewatch the trailer. He's kind of subdued, um, except for like the pee, the scene with the pee gully or whatever that was. Yeah, I guess um, we'll see once the movie comes out. Uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of clear that young character is your is your rocket raccoon group kind of merged into one thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of Tank Girl. To be honest, I was like, man, this kind of makes me want them to do another Tank Girl movie with Lori Petty. Lori Lori Petty was on TikTok the other day, and I just she was talking about like loved all the Tank Girl fans, and I was like, yes, <laughs> I was like, we need another one, and I, I I followed her immediately. I'm like, I didn't know you were on TikTok. <laughs> So I would love to see a new Tank Girl where she plays like, I don't know, a, a, a wise but crazy, um, you know, person who passes the torch kind of vibe. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, hell, they don't even need to do that. They just have her be the main character. You, you want Tank Girl post-menopause? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'm sorry. I know that sounds sexist I, or age cis, I should say. I just kind of feel like the vibe of Tank Girl is like she's in her twenties and a little crazy. But we just thought we just talked about Kate Blanchett doing playing a twenty year old. So who you know what? Within five seconds, shut up, Roy. You're wrong. There you go. Tank Girl <clears throat> with Lori Petty. Bring it back. I'm sorry, Lori. I had that. I had a stupid moment. I had a, I had a Hollywood moment. <laughs> Please forgive. <laughs> uh, I think our final trailer that we got to talk about is X Men '97. X-Men 97. Um, and again, like I, I did talk about this in the roundup um, and I had some opinions and, uh, but I, I wanted to ask you what your opinion was on that. Uh, I, <laughs> what do I say about this? You, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I thought it looked good. It feels kind of unnecessary. I don't even really remember how the, the original show ended, if it was a cliffhanger or not. Um, so I don't I know. I watched the ending too. Cause by the time they got to 96, I was already graduated going on to art school. I did not have access to regular TV. Like the place I lived, um, you had to have cable and we were all poor art students. We couldn't afford cable. That was crazy. Um, so I did not watch the final season. I know I would catch glimpses of it and the animation was <laughs> like such garbage. I was like, nah, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, um, it is janky 90s animation which was easily hidden on a crt tv uh yeah i but the thing about this trailer i don't like the animation in this because it's too clean and nice you know what i mean yeah i i wish if you're gonna do a continuation of that series it should follow the style guide of the original one so it should look like a comic book, like or simulation of like comic book backgrounds. Um, I want it to be stilted. I I know we have the technology to do it. You know what I mean? It's not like they couldn't do it. Right. But the problem is people would then bitch. They'd be like, why does this look like it's 30 years old? Because, because well, the thing is, is like you look at something like Master Universe Revelation and Revolution that wasn't the assignment. It, it, like I know Kevin Smith in an interview said it was a continuation of filmation, but that's not what he really planned on doing. And I, I, I knew from the get go, that was bullshit. Like, <clears throat> cause it wasn't in like, you know, it wasn't called mass universe filmation continues or anything like that. Um, so I knew it was going to be updated and I love it. It's gorgeous looking. 
this is called X-Men 97. Like, this is supposed to be a callback to that original style. And if CBS can do Star Trek short treks with the filmation style for that because it's meant to ape that, then Disney can ape that 90s style. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. That's, that's you know. <laughs> but well, the, funny th- the funny thing is, is that that wasn't the big controversy. No, I was about to say. <laughs> Well, uh, let's get to like the, the butt of the situation. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the butt. Um, so, of course, there's a famous meme from one of the like very early episodes of X-Men. Um, Rogue goes to Mirror Island because she wants to get cured. And it turns out the cure is not a cure. It is a way to make horsemen for Apocalypse. And so Rogue and Apocalypse have like a little meetup like towards the end of the episode and she's on the ground and she's been knocked, you know, knocked down a bit. And boy, did they draw a booty on that. (laughs) And, and that has been mean to death because in that, that the Jim Lee era of X-Men, every costume was so skin tight that you can see every crack and crevice on every human being's body. Yeah. But Um, the thing is she, that's the only time she has that big of a butt. Like you watch the show, even just one episode with her in it, and she just has like a normal size, what I would consider a normal size butt. It's not, it's just, well, it's just curvy for that one scene. But she's, she's depicted in most comic books back then as very curvaceous. So, yeah, you're um, not wrong. So, yeah. So this meme's been going around. It's in the head of all the comic book nerds forever. Had that meme not gone around, I don't think people be flipping out. But since that's everywhere, um, there's a scene in the trailer where you get to see Rogue from behind. And she has a normal human butt. <laughs> it's Captain Marvel all over again. Butt gate. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why does Spider-Man have a better looking butt than Captain Marvel? Why are you looking at Spider-Man's butt? Yeah, what the hell? Why? Why? What does it matter? Like, why do you care? Like, but, <laughs> sorry for saying butt. Uh, so yeah, people flipped out about the butt. And I... I think people need to understand that, yes, it is a different art style. So it, the proportions on the characters are a little bit more realistic. Uh, if I don't know if you noticed that. I noticed that. I'm like, okay, these things are a little less hugely comic booky proportioned on these characters. You know, Cyclops is toned, but he's not like muscles on muscles. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they did some other changes. There are a lot of people who are losing their mind on the voice changes. Because what well, happened? Some of the actors are dead. Some of the actors are dead, guys. Like Magneto's dead. Okay, the actor who played him, may he rest in peace. He passed away, I think, like a decade ago or so, or maybe only five years, but whatever. He's been gone. Cyclops, the man who voiced Cyclops, the guy that got to voice Cyclops, he's damn good, dude. I, I he was like to me my X Men. I was yeah. like, I thought, I thought the old, at the, I yeah, was confused. But I was like, I thought the actor was dead, but he sounds yeah. so much like him. Yeah, no, they hired a good one on that one. Uh, the funny thing is, like, Wolverine. I think that's the same actor, but he's aged so much that his voice isn't the same. You know what I mean? Right, which isn't his fault. <laughs> it's not his fault, but people are like, oh, it's wrong. I'm like, it's, it's the same guy. Uh, there are certain characters like Jubilee. The actress who voiced Jubilee, she stepped down on purpose because uh, she was she played every young Asian girl in the 90s. Like, she was Claire Redfield in Resident Evil 2. She was like, you know, so if it was a Japanese project, they they poured it over America. She's like, ah, oh, get this girl to play her. 
Um, she did a great job, but they wanted to have an Asian American actress to play Jubilee. Um, and, and the funny thing is, like Jubilee herself is not really like in the original '90s. They don't really call her Jubilation Lee all the time. Her Asian ancestry is not like thrown in your face or anything. Um, so that like even dumb kids like me didn't realize she was Asian, even though her last name is Lee. Dumbass. <laughs> What do I know? I'm a stupid kid. Um, but yeah, so they, they changed that. And there's a couple actors who voiced other characters. I think I think Jean Grey, the actress who voiced Jean Grey is now voicing someone else. Um, the actor who played Morph is playing someone else. And that leads us to our next controversy. <gasps> oh my God, Morph! Can you believe that a character that can change shape from man to woman might be polyamorous or, you know, or, or, or he might be non-binary and not really, you know, in kind of fluid about things and not really care. <laughs> was Morph in the original show? Yes. Morph was in the pilot. He was basically, you, you know how they say they, they fridge a character. Yeah. Yeah. He was there for the X-Men to be pissed off at the Sentinels. Cause he gets okay. killed. I don't remember um, that. I guess I must have not seen the premiere episode. Oh my god, it's the pilot. It's the whole like it's the whole thing. Like Wolverine gets well, so mad at Cyclops for abandoning him. He, well, you he, gotta remember, I, I watched this on Fox Kids, so like the the show was like um aired out of order sometimes. Oh yeah, once they do re rerun, they were like, yeah. yeah, I got you. Um so yeah, Morph is a character who died in the first season, but is uh -huh. revealed uh, spoiler alert, he's alive by the second season and a bad guy because um, uh, Mr. Sinister brings him back to life and makes him uh, controls him and stuff. So there's an evil morph. Um, yeah, there's a great scene where um, when they think he's dead and Wolverine's so pissed off at Cyclops because Cyclops tells him to retreat. So when they get back to the, the mansion, Wolverine in a fit of rage rips the top off of uh, Scott's car. And when Gene Grey sees him, he gets ready to take off. He's like, tell Scott I made him a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. It's so great. Like, yeah, like, like when they get off the X-Jet, Wolverine punches Scott right in the gut for, for leaving Morph. And he's like, next time I use the claws, I'm like, damn, kid show. Um, the first season, like I told, I told a friend of mine on Twitter, because they're like, I've never seen the X-Men. I'm like, do yourself a favor, watch the first season. The first season is like really tight, uh, really good characterization. Yeah, the animation's crude because it's the 90s, but it's not too convoluted. It has a nice everybody banding together at the end to stop the bad guys, to stop the Sentinels in the final you know, arc of that season. It has a nice cliffhanger, gets you excited for more, uh, and great characterization in it. So yeah. Yeah, the, the first episode where my uh, Magneto appears, at least that's uh -huh. the context I remember it in. The, the missiles, he's, he's setting off the missiles, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they really did get the characterizations like top-notch on that. I actually follow the uh, the animation director on Twitter as well. I always love reading his like ideas behind what he was trying to do every season and things. So. Um. But yeah, so everybody was like pissed off about Morph's gender identity, and I'm like, it's it's a character who can change shape. He he of all people, he or she, whatever you want to call him, they would probably eventually be like, 
I don't know what I am anymore. I've changed shape so much. I'm just kind of whatever. So uh, recently, Mystique has been, I think, uh, I think they re revealed that she is both the mother and the father of Nightcrawler, or she's the father of Nightcrawler. How the hell does and that happen? <laughs> because she can turn into a man. And Destiny so, is the mother, I think. I think that's what they said. Okay. I think, I think I think whatever the writing team, they're like, saying that Azazel, this red demon guy, who in, in the comic books is a demon, uh -huh. bothered Nightcrawler with Mystique, just seemed a little ick. Which is funny, because then having her change gender, I'm like, yeah, and you're not going to alienate some audience either? I'm not, I don't care. I, I love the weirdness of X-Men. Like, I thought maybe you were implying that she turned into a man and then did the thing and then turned back into a woman and like injected herself with that, oh. with the stuff. I thought that's what you were implying. I was like, that's, that's bizarre. That's something. I, I don't think that's what happened. I'm pretty sure it's the way I told it. But now you're planning that in my head and I'm like, wait, wait, am I getting that wrong? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, there are species out there that self-impregnate, you know. They, they right, I mean, like so. Godzilla 97. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, Godzilla 97. It's 98. It's a lot of fish. It's a lot of fish. Screw you, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I feel like that move, we bring that movie up almost every other episode somehow. I can't, I can't, I can't stand Matthew Broderick for that one. <laughs> you know the uh the accidental deaths on the car and you know over in ireland or whatever that i can forgive but godzilla 98 jeez. anyway it went dark again uh i look forward to this uh you know i i i'll forgive the animation style as long as the story tone yeah that's the most important thing the what butts animation style aside uh, the, the, the most important thing is the story and that's what was great about the 90s series even as a kid watching the episodes out of order i was like that there's a great story there yeah um lastly before we get on to the major thing uh i'm gonna do real quick here uh embracer group the embracer group do you know what the embracer group is no ah uh, they're a company that's gobbling up studios left and right over the last couple years and in fact, as of the end of this past year, they have canceled 29 games and laid off 1,387 jobs. As a matter of fact, they canceled the Deus Ex sequel, and now there's rumors that they're going to sell off Gearbox. Jesus. <laughs> of Borderlands. Are they partners with Zasloff? I don't know. I, oh, that's another thing. Have you heard that Stephen King outed Zaslav? Well, he outed Warner Brothers for not releasing Salem's Lot. That movie's been finished for over a year and they haven't released it yet. He's oh, that's right. That I forgot there was a new Salem's Lot movie. Why wouldn't they release that? Stephen I, King's a big name. I don't know. And it's like they did. It's Zaslav, like. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, Zasloff knows that horror sells. Like, I mean, yes. the budget couldn't have been that big. He, he said, you know, he's been quoted to say, I don't understand Hulu putting out Prey and Hellraiser on their streaming horror sells especially low budget horror and those are both low budget projects i'm sure this salem's lot movie couldn't have been too expensive like unless that's what they did unless they pulled a stephen king's it and they spent a crap ton of money on it um that, that that's that's the one thing's got me worried if it's a, if it was a high budget project he's still gonna cut it but um this this embracer group man 
they actually like the 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 executive of Embracer Group actually came forward and said that his his overruling principle, and I'm quoting here, is to always maximize shareholder value in any given situation. He basically said the the the, the quiet part loud. He's like, I don't give a shit whether gamers think this is going to be like a good game and they want to put money in it. If if me cutting this and all this other stuff, um, you know, is, is saving us money or whatever towards another, you know, craptacular, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they put out some live service bullshit. <laughs> we'll do it. But yeah, um, I'm surprised I haven't seen any memes with Embracer, Embracer Group. You know how they, like, they have like, you know, death going to door to door and like there's blood on the ground. <laughs> There really needs to be a meme for that for the games they've killed. But, yeah. Uh, this 2023, 2024 seems to be the year of screwing over game developers. And uh, what's sad is 2023 was a great year for gaming. Like there was a lot of really solid titles that came out last year. And I think that's because well, I mean, we had a couple of dead years because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. They're really like, and there's been a lot of announcements from companies saying we've made $10 billion this year, followed by, and we're laying you all off right now so we can keep most of that money. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Part of me expected this because of like the big like hiring thing. Uh, not, you know, there was a huge hiring wave after things started opening up after, you know, lockdowns were pretty much over with. Uh, mm -hmm. Says I expected some companies to do that, but it's it just seems it just seems sad that these people that worked so hard are the ones that are getting laid off, and they're like, "We can't afford to keep you." What do you mean you can't afford to keep us? We just made X amount of dollars off of this game. Yeah, it's it's really weird, and, <clears throat> and the funny thing is, is all they're doing is they're creating this cycle of making sure these people, because these people are all going to rotate to the next game company. Like, it's this big rotating circle of like, well, I got laid off here. I'm going to go work at this company. Oh, I got laid off there. I'm going to go work at this company. And I think what it all really comes down to is they're laying them off because they don't want to pay them more. They're like, oh, you know, if we keep laying off and bringing in these newbies, then they get to start at the ground level. And we don't ever have to, like, pay raises. We don't have to, like, give them the good insurance, if any. You know, it's like WWE with, like, uh, you're a contract player. You're not, you know, you're not an employee. I, you know, so I really do feel that's the part that they're doing right there is like, yeah, we'll hire you next season, work <clears> on some <throat> games and lay you off again. Yeah. And I think what's going to happen is these people are going to get tired of being jerked around and they're going to work for indie studios like Hideo Kojima's studio or maybe even smaller than that because they're passionate about their work. Yes, they might make less, but they might have more job security. Yeah, I want, I, I want to see EA get to the point where nobody will work for them. So they're like, fine, we'll just use AI and it'll be just as good. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a YouTuber I follow really went into this and I was like, it kind of gave me hope because like some of my favorite games that have come out the past couple of years have been indie stuff, not, you know, the AAA games. I mean, there's been a lot of good AAA games, but there's been a lot of really crappy ones, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, just because your your game has the best graphics in the market doesn't make it a good game. Because uh, we're talking about a game, not a movie. Yeah, it's got to have a lot of heart. It's got to have a lot of fun gameplay. You know, you, you, you really... 
I, I, this focus that most of the AAA studios have right now of nickel and diming customers, <clears throat> and, and I've even heard talk that like you know they, they've like the Ubisoft guy, the head of Ubisoft, like yeah, gamers should just get used to the idea of not owning owning a game anymore and just paying for a license. And I'm like, that is disgusting. That's right. So disgusting. And and on that same term, I just saw another developer had talks that they they plan on going to hundred dollars per game for AAA titles. And I'm like, you you're out of your mind. That's that's like a, that's like a third of a new console. Like right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I guess one more trailer that I I just thought about that you that while we were talking about this is, you know, the Elden Ring expansion. I haven't played Elden Ring, but mm -hmm. the thing is the game's so legendary for being so content filled. Like it was complete upon release, very little bugs and people put hundreds of hours into this thing. And then the DLC almost looks like a completely new game put on top of it. Yeah. I just, I just heard about that. Like, you know, most DLCs, you got like two bosses, some extra content, some skins or whatever. Uh, the trailer they put out apparently had like tons of bosses. Yeah, Almost like it's, it's a like whole a separate whole game. game. <laughs> yeah, so that that's pretty fun. But... So good, good for From Software for being one of the good ones. Yeah, maybe I should check it out one of these days. I'm trying right now to get back into uh, Final Fantasy VII and um, uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, Five. <laughs> so those <laughs> those are my two games that I piddle around with right now, but. All right, we've been we've been BSing for forty five minutes, and uh, we got to get into the meat of this show. But um, you know what? Don't you hate it when some mother truckers try to ice skate uphill? Isn't that the worst? <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> and I somehow forgot about that line when I was rewatching the movie. Oh, I love it! it I haven't like seen the favorite. Blade trilogy since I graduated high school, so it's been about thirteen years. I rewatch these movies probably once a year, if not twice. Um, so unfortunately right now you can't watch them on any streaming platform. My physical copies are right now in storage facility and I'll be damned if I'm going to spend $15 for a digital license just to have like Zaslav or, you know, get into a fight with Disney and then yank it from existence, which right now it's not on anything. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it, it was produced by New Line Cinema, so that does fall under the Warner Brothers umbrella. Uh, they were on uh, Netflix like last year, and then they I think they were on Max for a hot second as well, so don't know. But if you don't know what Blade is, gang, Blade is a Marvel Comics character, uh, really hot in the 70s, um, featured in Tomb of Dracula. Uh, he, he wore the gaudiest green outfit with like brownish-orange boots. Uh, green goggles and had the um, biggest afro around. Uh, yeah, very ridiculous looking. But this late 1998 release, or I should say, summer 1998 release, uh, was about uh, Blade, the half man, half vampire. He's a daywalker who is um, scouring the city, fighting vampires, um, while also trying to find the man who made uh, his killed his mom. Uh, or so he thinks, and made him who he is. And there's also a nurse who gets involved with uh, Blade, thanks to some interactions with one of the uh, main villain's lackeys. And so she's trying to find a cure for vampirism. 
while also kind of tagging along with Blade through this movie. Um, directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David S. Goyer, which we'll get back to him again later on. It stars Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, and Chris Christopherson. We love Chris Christopherson. Um, so I pretty much explained the story of Blade. Uh, give me your thoughts on Blade, the first, um, first movie. Well, first thing I noticed was this is supposed to be New York, right? Where the, the setting? Hey, I mean, it is like the thing about the universe of Blade, they're very nondescript about where they are. I always associate Blade with New York because he was in well, the Spider-Man animated series, which is in New York. So I just assume yes. he operates in New York. Yeah, it's it's like it's supposed to be it's supposed to be inner city. You think it's New York, but it feels very Canada. Um <clears throat> at least in my opinion. Or Eastern Bloc <laughs> when you get to part yeah. two. There is a slight western feel to it because there are uh, there's newspapers instead of uh, tumbleweeds that blow <laughs> through the streets. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, did 90s New York have a litter problem? I mean, well, they probably always had that problem, but. Yeah, I guess. I, guess. Um, I, I, th I think like the vibe is supposed to like, you, you know, like we know Gotham City is technically New York. I know they made it like Chicago in modern times, but let's face facts. Um you know, and, and like Metropolis, well, Metropolis is kind of like Manhattan. So yeah, Gotham City is like New York City, you know, and whatever. But um, I, I, the, this is a very vague looking location, but I love the style and look of it. Like Stephen Norrington made a very cold, blue, metallic kind of look. And this this is a look that gets aped in a lot of early 2000 movies, but I feel yeah. like it, it, it was, it was definitely at the time, very new and fresh uh, looking. Um, Wesley Snipes is just perfect for blade. Like I, I, I don't know how to, it's like he took a character that comic book version blade is so dorky and made him so damn cool. <laughs> it's cause he's so reserved. Like he says he has very little lines throughout all three of the movies, frankly, except he has more lines in, in two. Um, he gets to stretch his, his muscles a little bit more, but um, both figuratively and literally. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree hundred percent. I was just like, it's that's, that's blade. Um, he gets the character and obviously the writers and the directors did too. Um, and um, the movie has a really terrific opening with the nightclub scene. Oh um, God, such a, that, uh, you know, if you want to do a proof of concept for a horror action movie, that had to be it. Like this will sell. <laughs> right. Um, and I like that it introduced it. There's a, a slide way that they introduce the, the, our main villain because uh, this human that's going to the club with this girl that he doesn't know is a vampire. They're like walking through the club and it's kind of slow motion. And then, the, the camera freezes on this just seemingly random guy that we don't know as the main villain of the film. And that kind of sets up like what the main sort of thing is with his character is that he has these nightclubs and the older vampires are like, you're exposing us too much. And that's kind of what leads to Frost sort of trying to take over. Yeah. I, I think uh, Steven Dorff, um, he's a, he's, a, he's an okay villain. He's, he he's kind of a d-bag 
and he drops the f-bomb like way too much like it's like like it's every other word and i'm like i get it. it's a rated r film i get it um but as far as like you know villains go he's fun um I love the moments where like the one cop who is a uh, familiar, like comes running to him and, you know, he's like, Oh, blades on the way and everything. And Deacon Frost is like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And you, 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 you know, and, and the other, the other late, the other lady vampire is like, yeah. And you let him here, huh? Like you're on the wrong. She's like, no, no, you, you know, he starts calling her, a, the, the calling her a bitch and stuff. And then, you know, Steven Dorff's character, Deacon Frost, kind of like acts all calm and casual and just suddenly like lunges at him and just starts eating him in front of the other party goers. And the party goers, some of them are human. They're like, oh my God, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun fact, the little vampire toy that they focus on in that scene is actually from the Spider-Man like animated series, um, Morbius and Blade uh, toy set. Like, oh really? Yeah, when Toy Biz was making the Spider-Man animated series um, toys, which probably would have been in like those toys would have been in production when this was filming. Um, they had little vampire bat accessories to come with them. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, he's a great villain. Um, Udo Kier as the you know the the old vampire. I, I love Udo, and he he's always like the vampire. Like he he did not want to be in this film at first. He's like I don't want to be typecast. I'm always the vampire. It's like, yeah, because <laughs> look at you. Come on, man. I'm yeah. pretty sure you are a vampire. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it The film felt refreshing because it just, it feels very of its time, but at the, at the same time, it, that also kind of makes it timeless, if that makes sense. Because uh, this was the first good Marvel movie ever. Like, Yeah, this, is, this got the ball rolling. <laughs> um, I mean, it was the first despite what people think it was this first black superhero movie too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or at least the very first Marvel black, black led superhero movie. A lot of people were like, Oh, black Panther. That's the first black superhero movie. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what about blade? Well, I would, I would say steel and meteor man. And uh, there's a couple others, but those were like, you know, steel is steel. And um, you know, Catwoman is Catwoman, and <laughs> yeah, all right. So, so Catwoman came later, didn't it? Yeah, so yeah, later, so that. first Marvel movie led by a, a black lead would be yes. accurate. And, um, and and Wesley was supposed to be Black Panther early right. on in that in the nineties, but you know it, it, that got put on hold. I think Blade is better for him because um, how do I say this without sounding like really mean? Uh, <laughs> He does a better job of acting when he's not talking, if that makes sense. Like, he has a presence about him uh, that just yeah. don't fuck with me. Yeah, I couldn't see him pulling off an African accent. Like, I, don't, yeah. I just don't yeah. think that would work. I think I think we, we got what we got, and it was good. Um, and you're right. He, he plays the silent hero much better. Um, not that he can't talk. I mean, I love Demolition Man. He is great. Right, That's yeah, he Phoenix. fits that that zany role. It's just it's hard for me to picture him somebody that could uh, potentially be the la leader of an entire nation. Yeah, um, and and you know th this this movie has a very fresh take, a very fresh look. The director Stephen Norrington, um, he actually comes from uh, Henson. He used to work with like design and used to play characters on like stuff like he played Gump. In Return to Oz, 
Um, he also, you know, was in Death Machine, another fun uh, 90s low budget film. But yeah, I, he's got a really cool look. And, and I'll say this, as, as, as doofy as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is, and I think that's where his directing, uh, you know, I think his directing credits got kind of, uh, you know, yeah, he's directed four films. Let's see here. Um, yeah, that was his last directorial. Thing, oh boy. So. I forgot he directed that movie. Yeah. I, 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 it's fun. It's, it's kind of, it's silly compared to the actual like reading material. Like if you've read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it's like nothing like it, but, um, I still enjoy it, but it, it it's definitely, a misstep and I, I feel bad that he hasn't done any more directorial because because blade was phenomenal um but yeah it, it it's got great scenes like the bloodbath dance it's got this you know this kind of uh crucifixion scene for him at the end where you know he they drain his blood to pull out the blood god now of course it's a 90s movie and the cg is kind of <laughs> yeah the scenes the ending fight scene with Frost is kind of bad. Um, yeah, him fighting like all the goons and stuff is is great and exciting. But yeah, once Frost gets his powers, it's it's not that great. Yeah, because they do the speedy camera thing. I'm like, ooh, speedy camera! Wow, <laughs> kind of lame. <laughs> but um, yeah, he does blow up in a cool fashion, at least. But uh, overall, really good film. It has this great ending. Uh, well, we forgot to talk about one major component: Whistler. Now, Chris Christopherson, I love Chris Christopherson, grizzled country singer, love him. Um, Whistler was not a Marvel Comics character. He was created for this movie. And when they heard, when Marvel heard about New Line doing this, they thought, oh, that's really cool. We're going to have Blade in Spider-Man, the animated series. And so they had Blade introduced in... um, uh, Spider-Man the animated series and they included Whistler. So I think I remember Whist- that. Yeah, Whistler um let's see if they even I think he was voiced by David Warner, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh can they say Oliver Muirhead? Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Malcolm McDowell played him at one point. Um but yeah Abraham Whistler uh, was his little apprentice. He's introduced in Spider-Man, the animated series. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is a really cool character. I can't wait to see him in this movie. And then they, you know, introduce him in this mo- in the movie and he's even cooler than like that, that the Spider-Man character is a doof compared to this whistler. I mean, I, I love him when they introduce him, he's filling up the, like t- when they introduce him to Karen, the female <laughs> lead, and like what's his deal oh whistler you know he's and he's he's listening to like ccr and he's filling the car up with gas it's splashing everywhere and he's got a cigarette lit he just don't yeah. give a shit <laughs> he just does not give a shit <laughs> uh but unfortunately by the end of the movie uh our boy whistler gets bit 20 billion times um by the uh the vampires <clears throat> And uh, that's the motivation for Blade to go crazy on uh, Deacon Frost's people. And it's, it's, it's a really touch. It, it, I mean, it's a very heartbreaking moment because Blade, who doesn't emote much, 
this is his father figure. This this yeah. guy raised him as a teenager, taught him how to suppress the urge to 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 kill and the thirst for blood, and then taught him to kill these vampires. So this is his sensei. This is his father, and his father's like, "Give me your gun," because he knows he knows he's too far gone for whatever cure that Karen was working on. He's gonna change. Um. At least at this point, he thinks he's going to change. These these are all terms that kind of get retconned in the second movie. We'll get to that. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's a very touching scene. He's like, give me the goddamn gun. And so Blade can't even look him in the eye because he doesn't want to see him suffer. Gives him the gun and he walks away and the music builds and you just hear the gunshot go off and you see the hand fall. And that, you know, now we know Blade is like, he he destroys his shrine. He's like prepared to go to war. He's like, no more peace. We're going to war. Uh, and then proceeds to kill every single vampire in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, of course, we end with him in Russia. And I'm like, that's a really cool scene. And it, and it feels like it's just an add-on. Like, okay, he's now fighting vampires in Russia. He's killed all the vampires in New York. He's going to Russia. There's a reason why he's in Russia, though. Blade Two came out in 2002. Four years later, man, worth the wait, though. Um... <clears throat> Directed by Guillermo del Toro and written by David Goyer again. Um, Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson, and Ron Perlman, Lenore Varelia, and Norman Reedus. This is the first yep. time I've ever met Nor seen Norman Reedus. Love him. Uh, Thomas Crushman as Damaskinos and Luke Goss as our new villain, Nomak. Uh, this movie. We went from grays and blues and very steel looking to rich blues, reds, yellows. Like it's so bizarre, the tonal shift. And when it first came out, I didn't like that. I didn't care for it. I was like, I want it to look like the first movie. Why does it look so damn different? But now like knowing Guillermo del Toro and the types of movies that he's made, I, I love it. I love, this is one of the best, this is this is one of those movies where you look at like Alien and Alien's great, but Aliens is like times a hundred and it's it's just so much better. Yeah. Um Blade basically is in uh, he's he's in Eastern Europe. He's in the Eastern Bloc. Um, not just for S's and G's, but he's going after Whistler. They do this, they do this very um I want to say inspired by uh Shaft. Uh, music montage in the beginning of the movie <laughs> but it is very much shaft um where uh it, it's like jazzy bluesy but like also comic booky uh and he's telling the story about how whistler did not die in the last movie he in fact had been turned and blade's gonna find him and if he can't cure him he's gonna kill him because that's yeah. who blade is no no vampire left unscathed and there's a great this this whole thing where um blade goes after all these these eastern european vampires well before we get to that we got to talk about the blood bank the blood bank y you know how like when you're in inner city and you just want to donate blood and the blood bank is being run by um ss troopers from germany in 1942 <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's common right <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's because it's the Eastern Eastern European vibe that they like. This is how we look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the the Nomak character uh, goes in and he's all like scared. He's like, "Oh, please don't hurt me." 
and they pull out these Freddy Krueger glove with thing, which I'm fairly certain because New Line Cinema made these movies that that's just a nod to Freddy. So I'm like, that's just so obvious. Um, but uh, you know, they try they try to to pump all the blood out of Jared, and it turns out like he's a super vampire. Uh, he has these weird, very um. I, I, I can I say yeah, vagina looking <laughs> faces. I love Guillermo because he's like, you know what? I, I need more genitalia in my monsters. <laughs> yeah, everything's genitalia. <laughs> Giger would be proud. Um, so yeah, he, you know, they have these super vampires now. They're attacking other vampires, it, it, and I love that. I love, I love it's. It, it is kind of cool. Like, I know it's very stereotypical of a movie to be like, oh, you thought the bad guys were bad in the last film. Now we got bigger bad guys. But, you know, it's yeah, cool. but I like that, though. It's like now Blade has to team up with the, th- the very people he used to hunt. And it's this uneasy alliance, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty much the vibe of the movie. Blade has to go hunt these uber vampires with a group of vampires called the Blood Pack. Um because of this head vampire this this even more bigger evil vampire than the the vampire coven from the first movie because because they're all dead from the first movie they got sacrificed to the blood god but it turns out there's way more vampires out there there's like even more cultures of vampires and the eastern european vampires don't mind having raves i guess i guess the eastern european vampires would have looked at deacon frost and be like why are you giving him trouble we have the <laughs> right. vampire parties <laughs> what's the problem but, uh, you know, so Blade has to un- uneasily work with Ron Perlman. Oh, God, I love Ron Perlman. Everything he's in is awesome. And all these other little weirdo vampires, including Donnie Yen. Oh, I love Donnie Yen. He's the best. Um, he plays one of the, uh, I, think, I think he plays, yeah, Snowman. He's probably the one vampire that I'm like, I wish they wouldn't kill him. I wish he wouldn't die. He has like, you know, every time Donnie Yen shows up, you're like, respect, man, respect. <laughs> I, I, I love you. <laughs> I, I don't even know you. But um, yeah, the, the, this is just like Alien because the Blood Pack is like the Marines. They, every one of these characters have like custom uniforms. They all have different personalities. Um, they come off as really funny and also like villainous, but like memorable. Yeah, yeah. and... Blade has a new love interest, and this movie, at least unless you caught something I didn't, doesn't really say what happens to uh, Karen from the first movie. No, it doesn't. Like I said, this movie kind of retcons some things. Like, number one, you think Whistler's dead by the end of the movie, kills himself. Yeah, I don't Um, mind them bringing back Whistler, because I I fucking love Whistler. I love Whistler, and we get to the third movie, I'll have a major complaint. Um, Yeah. But they, they, they have Scud played by Norman Reedus, give new toys to Blade. And he's like, oh, this is EDTA. Uh, it's a blood coagulant. And he's teaching Blade this. And I'm like, Blade knows. That is how Blade killed the main bad guy in the last movie. Where's Karen? <laughs> like, right. Like, why isn't she helping him here? Why are you helping him? I is mean, she, they... Is she helping other vampire hunters? Because by the time we get to Blade 3, we learn there's like a network, but... 
Which doesn't surprise you. I mean, even though they don't really set that up in the first two movies, there kind of has to be. Well, yeah, I guess they do kind of set it up in the first movie because Blade has a couple of shops he goes to to pick up supplies. So there has to be a network. Yeah, I would have liked Karen to at least come back in something, either in this one or the third one, even though I'd hate to go for the third one because obviously they'd kill her. But <laughs> yeah, so so there's things that they kind of like skirt over and just kind of brush off. They're like, I don't know if that's Guillermo's way of like, yeah, maybe you didn't see the first movie, so we'll just kind of like do this, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but they, but they, they have like really great, fun character moments with all of these blood pack people. So it kind of like when they get picked off, and I get it, it's a horror film, it's aliens, all the Marines end up getting killed, right? So, but it, it sucks. But they do die glor- gloriously, like by these like disgusting Uber vamps, uh, Reapers, the Reaper strain. There's a fun um, autopsy scene, which is a lot of character building moment, <laughs> where they're like, you know, nor- uh, you know, uh, the the Nisa, the new vampire love interest, yeah, tells Scud to like hold his jaw open on this vampire thing. He's like, I don't want to touch it, and uh, Blade's like, sissy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and, and yeah, there's like this real contention between Scud and Whistler because Whistler was a vampire. They give him the cure, which I'm like, okay, we gave him the cure, but we, in the last movie, you know, he shot himself cause the cure wasn't going to be enough, but okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, but he's back. So there's this whole theme throughout the movie of like, can you trust Whistler? Um, he seems to be like not helpful in certain situations. But then him and, you know, Norman Reedus, they, they developed a sunlight bomb that'll kill all the Reapers, which I'm like, is that a real thing? Can we really do that? Can you make a sunlight a, an exploding UV bomb? And I'm like, I don't know. They, they had that NFT party this past summer that blinded people with their UV lamps. So maybe there's a thing to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's got a lot of fun, fast-paced action. Uh, you know, Blade uh, gets down. You know, like all the villains get cut down except for uh, Ron Perlman um, and Nissa at the until the very end. And Nissa, yeah. Um, um, but they. It's they, interesting they... you mentioned that uh, you know Norman Reedus's character was uh, suspicious of Whistler when he was the traitor the whole time. Yeah, there's a great scene, and Guillermo del Toro did this on purpose, where, you know, we're wondering what Whistler's allegiances are. Um, and uh, Whistler, you know, is talking to Blade, and he's like, you're getting really cozy with that little vampire filly over there. You know, we got to kill her ass, right? And uh, Blade goes, you know, well, keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. And the camera is, like, focused, like, Norman Reedus's character is in the background at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Because Norman Reedus is a familiar. He let the vampires into the the uh, security uh, of their compound in the beginning of the movie. Uh, he has been pushing it all along, this agenda. Uh, and so Blade and Chris Christopherson, they're, like, they're taken hostage. And uh, there's this revelation that Norman Reedus is a bad guy after all. And I'm like, aw, I kind of like him. <laughs> but then Blade is like, you know... He, he he tries to give him a bomb or uh, there was like a bomb or something in his hands and and Norman Reedus is holding like what he thought was a detonator or something and Blade's like I've been on to you from the second they turned you 
Yeah. He blows Norman Reedus up. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he put a bomb on Ron Perlman's head near the That's beginning of the film. Is. And he's like holding it's like, yeah, it's a dud. And, it, and Blade's like, I've been on to you this entire time. And by the way, that's not a dud. That was great. Um, and Chris Christopher's like, damn, I was starting to like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and that, that whole sequence is probably my favorite part of the movie is where Blade kicks falls into the pit of blood and then he comes out and kicks a bunch oh. of ass. When they, they play the name of the game song, I freaking yeah, love that yeah. song. <laughs> um, I think that, is that the Chemical Brothers? I can't remember the soundtrack. But it's a really cool song, great action sequence. Um, but they, they you know, and, and of course Blade has to take the, uh, he, he's got to take the party at the top. But at the same time, Nomak is also going after because, Dun, dun, dun. The head villain is actually his father, which means yep. that the vampire love interest is his sister. Yep. <laughs> it's it's a cheesy, cheesy revelation. Well, but what do you think of Nomak versus like Deacon Frost? Who do you think is a better villain? Um, I like Deacon Frost for being that wacky, zany villain. I love Nomak because he is visually and he's sympathetic. Cool. And he's a sympathetic character. He he's not fun at all. Not at all. You know, he's a tragic character. So he is a more compelling a compelling villain. Uh, basically, I feel like Ron Perlman and the Blood Pack characters kind of do the Deacon Frost part here. Right. Kind of fill that role. Um. So like you know, Nomad goes in. He's killing all the vampires too because he loves to kill him some vampires as well. Uh. So Blade and him both kind of like just tear apart this whole building. Um. And and so, you know, you get to, like, the very end, and Nomak takes out the head vampire, and um, he bites Nisa, and then Blade has mm -hmm. to, like, fight him one last time. And they, they, they do a thing that I'm like, I always hate this moment in these movies. I hate it in Highlander. I hate, they break the sword. Ah, damn it, man. <laughs> don't break the sword. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I don't know what it is. I don't like my heroes losing their tools. <laughs> I mean, he can always make another one. I guess. Um, but, you know, he uh, Blade does overcome uh, and uh, he destroys Nomak and uh, he goes to hold Nisa because Blade can't get laid. He's not allowed to get laid. Um, that's the title of Blade 3, at least in, in Wesley Snipes' mind, by the way. Blade 3, Blade gets laid. Um, at least that's what he tried to tell uh, uh, Goyer and, and Guillermo. It's like, yeah, well, I want to Blade 3, Blade Get Laid. But we see Nisa disintegrate. It's a really cool-looking scene, too. Yeah. Uh, the CG in this movie can be fantastic. It can also be really dated now. Yeah, um, it's not as dated as the first movie. No, like like the... Like the, the, e, the EDTA blood-blowing-up thing is kind of, like, silly. The, the, the demons coming out of the blood gut are very cg yeah um, obviously they have no texture whatsoever but um like the fire effects in this one the vampire disintegrates is like really awesome top notch they really improved it but there's scenes where they like do cg model blade and was very ambitious at the time like there's a scene where blade fights uh nisa um in their um layer in their ninja suits yeah in the ninja yeah, suits. like the warehouse 
yeah, with the UV lights on, um, that is so like the motion is all wrong. It's like very unnatural. And I'm like, okay, I know you wanted to pull off this really massive wide shot and show that they're vampires. So they work faster than humans, but it just doesn't, it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It's just like you have Wesley Snipes. He's fast as it is. Why not just do the fight scene with him and no CGI? But he's superhuman, Alex. He needs to go faster. And I get that idea. Like, I've thought about it, like, with Highlander. I'm like, you know, like, because there's times where I've helped, like, put together, like, fan film ideas. We actually, when I was a kid, I shot a fan film um, while I was doing, like, Highlander. And I was thinking about Highlander. And I was like, if someone's been practicing sword fighting all their life for, like, 400 years, they should be faster than anybody. Like, they should be instinctually faster. And then I've seen stuff like this, and I was like, never mind. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to see that. I think you can have it, like, for the camera, it, quote-unquote, looks human speed, but that's just so that we can perceive it. Yeah, I just, like, like anytime you see sped-up camera footage for anything, it just takes me out. Yeah, it didn't work in Highlander, the source, and... It... Oh, God. <laughs> Having flashbacks. Um, but, uh... Yeah, so there's they use CG models in this movie, and basically, basically, Blade made New Line a gajillion dollars, so they knew they could like pump money into this one. It shows. It's definitely a much bigger scale film. Um, but those scenes and like there's a scene where he fights Nomak where they do it again, and I'm like, please stop, <laughs> please stop doing that. But overall, I think the effects of the movie are fantastic. Um. Before we move on to the third movie where I start to complain. Um, <laughs> well, you have any last minute thoughts on uh, Blade 2? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a great sequel. I think it's superior to its predecessor in almost every way. Um, it puts the Blade character and Wesley Snipes in different situations, I think. Like I said, I mean, he doesn't talk that much in the first movie. He talks a little bit more in this one, It's and it works, because uh, he's kind of in a leadership position with these things that he used to hunt. But it also, like, kind of makes both the audience and him question, like, are vampires just inherently evil? Because he ends up kind of liking one of them, at least. Uh, so it's like, it's like, if she hadn't been bitten, what would have happened to her? Would he have let her go? Uh, it adds a lot of interesting questions for Blade going forward that unfortunately they didn't really capitalize on until maybe, I guess, the TV series. Yeah. Um, I have a couple little um, trivia things as I've gushed enough about Blade 2, but um, the reason why the fight scenes are so good, guess who choreographed it? Donnie Yen. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, the other thing is there's, like we said, there's a vampire rave. They call it the house of pain. Okay. Um, they were going to have a scene in the house of pain, uh, starring a certain pop icon. Do you know who it was? Uh, like of the time, a pop icon of the time or somebody. They old. were kind of fading at this point. And it was very bizarre. This whole this whole thing is bizarre. It's this this, this uh, bit of trivia. Okay, would it have been? Oh gosh, I'm thinking of my '90s pop stars. Uh, 
Maybe I should go even older. I don't know. Tell me. Michael freaking Jackson was originally going to be one of the torturers uh, in the, like, like basically when Nisa and Blade and the Blood Pack are, like, splitting up, which you never do in a horror film, you know, but whatever. Um, you never should do. They always do. Nisa was going to discover him in a room. Um, I can't remember the specifics, but uh, Jackson had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts. And then they did the part with a replacement actor, and then they like cut it all together. <laughs> yeah, it's probably for the best. That feels kind of gimmicky. It, it does seem weird because it's like no one's gonna like look at that and be like, "Oh, that's a cool vampire." They'd be like, "Oh, that's Michael Jackson." What the hell? <laughs> right. It works for like Men in Black when they showed him as on the screen as like known aliens because that's you know it's an action comedy or his Blade is a gothic action movie. <laughs> Yeah. Not a comedy. Yeah. But um yeah, so there's a little trivia. There's lots of other trivia stuff. Uh, I mean, like I said, there's so many things get cut from these films they wanted to put in the original. Well, right. I mean, you forgot about the most important cameo that was at the end of the first movie that got cut. Um tell me, was it Morbius? Yes. Uh Michael <laughs> Morbius at your service. <laughs> yeah at the time um they kept trying to get morbius in it but marvel was like nah bro he's getting his own film so goyer wanted morbius to be the primary villain of this movie was was that the issue or was it that sony still had the had the rights to him i think it might it might have been one or two things there um it makes sense because the reapers have these weird suction cup thingies and at the time Morbius in the Spider-Man animated series had suckers on his hands and he was sucking plaz. They couldn't say blood. Um, it's so funny because like X-Men and Batman got away with so much stuff. But for some weird reason, Spider-Man, they just assumed would skew younger. So the censors ruined that show on so many yeah. levels. Yeah, Spider-Man couldn't punch anybody. And anytime they talk about Uncle Ben's death, they never say the word death or killed. Peter's always like, oh, I let uncle been down and now he's gone <laughs> yeah yeah and and vampires sucked plasma they didn't suck blood yeah um, great show though um so do you know who played morbius in that scene in that scene no who who's going to play morbius uh well i don't know who they were having to plan to play morbius in the the sequel but for that scene alone it was steven norrington the director huh. who was morbius that's so funny. Is there is there footage of this? Can I yeah, watch this it's, on YouTube? It's online. It's like work print quality, but you can find it online. It, oh, man. It, literally, Blade and Karen leave the finale, and they like go up top, and uh, Karen asks him, so it's like, are you going to take the cure? And he's like, no, nah, I've got work to do. And she like looks off in the distance, and she's like, yeah, I can see somebody off in the distance, and they both look, and there's a a guy with long hair that kind of looks like Vincent from Final Fantasy VII because he's got <laughs> like a, a thing over his face, and I guess that was Morbius. Oh my god! Okay, I have seen that film. I have seen that footage because you said I'm like I'm having flashbacks. I know I've seen this. Um, I think at the time, whatever production material did not say that was Morbius though. They're like, yeah, it's just a weird vampire dude. So that's kind of funny um, that they were kind of hiding it. <laughs> but yeah. You, you know, you, you you put out Blade, fantastic movie written by David Goyer. And like I said, you had Stephen Norrington direct it. 
kind of unknown at the time, but you know, it was a lot of fun. You do Blade Two with Guillermo del Toro behind the lens, um, and uh, phenomenal, like perfect in every way. But also written by David Goyer. You want to do a third movie, and at the time, if you listen to the commentary of the third movie or the second movie, they were talking about the third movie was going to be like a Mad Max set in the future. Humans are now just all cattle for vampires. And, you know, Blade has basically lost the battle. But it's, it's almost like an old man Wolverine, like a Logan kind of vibe. I mean, if My they ever did is- another Blade movie with Wesley Snipes, that'd be a cool way to do it because he's obviously older now. Yeah, that sounded so cool. You know what they ended up doing? Blade Trinity. <laughs> Blade <laughs> Trinity directed by David S. Goyer. Because, you know, when, when you have a guy who's a screenwriter, he's written enough scripts. I'm sure he can direct a whole film. I'm sure it's fine. Now he's, I mean, he's that, done it some happens films. and sometimes it works. And in this case, not so much. Yeah. I mean, he's gone on and done some movies and most of them have been pretty like not well received, but um, so yes, written by David and directed by David and starring Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson for like 10 seconds and Parker Posey and some young buck guy who, who's really cocky. He might have a future in film. He's done a couple things, Van Wilder, but some guy named Ryan Reynolds. I don't. I don't know. What what is what has he done lately? Uh, I think he was in Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Oh yeah, that's right. He was in that show. Okay, yeah. And Jessica Biel, we know she's hot. Um, uh, and yeah, that, yep. <laughs> As Abigail Whistler, Whistler. Wait a minute. His family died. They said his family died by vampires. What's going on? But yeah, Ryan Reynolds plays Hannibal King, which is a character. Uh, who leads a band in the comic books called the Night Stalkers. Yep. And uh, Dominic Purcell of Prison Break and The Flash um, as Drake, because, you know, just calling him Dracula. we got to call him Drake. Um, well, he's Dracula. He's basically Dracula. Yes. and oh, yep, I mean, they call him Dracula in the movie. They do, but like in the casting, like, no, he's Drake. I'm like, shut up. It's Dracula. Uh, they also have Triple H. And also, my favorite guy, Patton Oswalt. We love you, Patton. Woo! There's some other people in it, but who cares? <laughs> so anyways, so, you know, in, in the first movie, we kill off Whistler, and I'm, like, sad. And in the second movie, we bring Whistler back. We get the gang back together, and it's so tight and so awesome. They work together as a great team. It's so much fun. And then we cut to this movie, and it's Blade just doing his thing. They have this great you know, little action sequence where they actually use the car. The car in the second movie did not run. That's why you never saw it drive. Like, it was broke down. Um, so they just had it in scenes where he'd, like, park it. Like, or it was parked yeah. already. Um, but for this one, they needed to do action sequence with the car, so they got the car rolling. Um, there's a fun scene where he ashes one of the vampires and his windshield is all messed up so he has to use windshield wipers. yeah i will give this movie that uh the action scenes are are still on par with the first two that's probably the best parts of this movie yeah yeah so you know there's a lot of fun parts in this movie but there's a lot of stuff that i'm like yeah but uh you know so blade takes out these vampires and then he shoots one like at the end he's like he's caused all his case you start to see people in the background screaming like most of the action movies all the um, 
collateral damage is usually put down to a minimum. You never really see what happens to people in the wake of an action movie. Like the action hero like blows shit up. You don't really see who gets hurt by it. But yeah. in this movie, you know, when he's doing this, you're hearing people screaming. There's people like recording stuff and things and, and witnesses. And I'm like, oh, wow. The realism of that is Blade hurts people. You know, he affects people's lives when he goes and does this war. Nobody understands that he's at war. So he just comes <laughs> off as a psychopath. <laughs> so he shoots the driver of one of the cars, but he doesn't turn to Ash. And I love the, the guy's like, you know, why are you so dumb? Because Blade's like, why aren't you Ash? And the guy's like, why aren't you smarter? And he pulls out fake teeth. He's like, because I'm not a vampire, you dumb shit. <laughs> but yeah blade doesn't Good give opening. a shit about killing familiars he really doesn't he's killed plenty of familiars it's not a big deal um but this problem is, is he's, done, he's done it out in the open so much he's starting to draw attention yes he's getting he's getting very um sloppy so uh you know cut to whistler who is getting a newspaper and for some weird reason everybody's speaking a weird language um, and they do this thing where, you know, the newspaper sells him like, yeah, he's going to get his. Um, and Whistler's like, I hope not uh, for your sake. Um, but they, they use this um, language called Esperanzo. Uh, it is a made up language that was developed, I believe, in the 60s, where you were like they, they tried to come up with a universal language that uh, people could use, like a new universal language across the globe. And uh, William Shatner did a movie where it's all in Esperanto. I think it's Esperanto, actually. Um, so, yeah, like it was it's so weird. I'm like, okay, that's a thing in this movie. Uh, in fact, I think you can actually see footage from the William Shatner movie in the background of the scene. But uh, So basically what's happening is Parker Posey uh, who's head of a coven of vampires uh, has basically framed Blade and posted video online of him killing an innocent man. He's not really innocent, but you know, in cold blood, as they would call it. And so the FBI has finally tracked down Blade and Whistler. Now, like I said, we had a movie where Bl Whistler dies. We had another movie where Whistler comes back. You you made all that effort. This movie commits the Alien Three sin. Well, so there's a couple. There's rumors as to why this happened. Apparently, and we can get into this more as the story goes on. But apparently, both Snipes and Chris Christopherson were unhappy with how the film was turning out, and Chris Christopherson was like, "I don't want to be in the movie." Well, it's like you have to. Your contract for a third film, and they compromised by killing off at the beginning. You know what? I don't care. It's horrible. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not saying that I like it either. I, I just, I hate it. You spent this whole, like, can we not learn from our lesson from Aliens to Alien 3? Like, do not kill off the cast that people are rooting for, you dumb shits. Or if like, you're going to kill them off, save it for the end of the movie after he reconciles with his daughter. Like, yeah. have it mean something? Not that it doesn't mean anything. Like, I'm like, obviously, this is a father figure for Blade, and him blowing up is not something he can come that, back from. 
And that's the thing. It's the stereotypical uh, stuck in a building that blows up kind of death. I'm like, ugh. And there's this horrible scene where they close in on Wesley Snipes' face when he's in anger or in agony. And it feels like the background was CG and it was bouncing. Like, it's it's very weird. He's on docks. I get it. But it just looks so, it's very jarring and cheap looking. I will talk about that in a second, too, because, like, the filming itself is very um, generic compared to the other two looks. But so Blade gets arrested by the FBI. And there's this, uh, you know, this psychologist trying to evaluate him and everything. And uh, he he drugs him and he reveals he's a familiar. <laughs> and Blade's kind of like, whatever, I've killed familiars, too. I don't give a shit. <laughs> But then, you know, Blade gets rescued by the Night Stalkers. We had the Blood Pack in the last uh, movie group of characters. Now we got the Night Stalkers, uh, ran by Hannibal King and Abigail Whistler. Um, and they they save Blade, which it's it's fun. It's it's fun. And they I, I love the part where they're in the middle of saving Blade and he like jumps into the vent and Ryan Reynolds says, Where the fuck is he going? This is supposed to be a rescue. Yes. And then he shows up later and he's like, I forgot my sword. I needed my sword. Because uh, they're like surrounded by the cops who are more than likely in on everything. Um, but yeah, the other thing I forgot to mention in the beginning of the movie is that Parker Posey's character thinks it's a great idea to unleash Dracula on the world. So you got this scene where they're in, I believe, Iraq. And um, they're all wearing sun pre preventive uh, costumes. And uh, they unleash uh, Dracula. He, he bites the head off of one of the people. He must have been hungry. Um, and so, you know, it, we, that, that set up the movie. That's the main villain. I forgot about that. Sorry. I apologize. Again, I'm not repurchasing re something I've owned like several copies of already. Thank you very much. <laughs> but... So Dracula is hanging out with all these vampires, uh, Triple H and Parker Posey and a couple others, um, while Blade is uh, hanging out with the Night Stalkers. And then you have Patton Oswalt, who's the tech guy. You got Natasha Leone. I love Natasha Leone these days. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, as the blind scientist who helps develop. She's kind of like Karen, basically. I don't know if like that was supposed to be Karen. And then they wrote her out. Like, there's so many things in this, like lost opportunities here. Um, you know, it'd been, a, you know, it could have, could have said it'd been a couple years. Maybe she had a daughter. Who knows? I don't know. Um, her daughter Zoe. And they they try to convince Blade to join them, and Blade's like, "You're a joke." You know, Ryan Reynolds with his fu uh, name sticker and everything. What a what a what a joke of a group and everything. I don't need anybody. Um, <clears throat> Which I feel like almost like Blade is. Pro I, I feel like Wesley Snipes is projecting his attitude because we'll get we'll get into that. Yeah. About the atmosphere on the set, but he definitely was like allegedly people. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> but Patton Oswalt is also you know he's also the tech person as well. So there's two tech people in this group. Um. And and, and his his jokes are very awkward in this movie. I'm like I love Patton Oswalt, but a lot of things he says I'm like ew, wow okay. Goyer's trying to do double duty as a scriptwriter and the director, and you can tell it suffers from that. But uh, this movie is very much like the first movie. Just instead of Deacon, you've got Drake. 
um, Drake walks around town um, and he runs into a, a vampire gift shop. Yeah. Which I was like, what the hell is this? I mean, I've heard of goth stores, but. Yeah, there's a goth store here in Fairborn. Nice. So they, they do exist. <laughs> but are they like really Dracula themed like this one? I mean, specifically, there's got to be one somewhere, but regardless, it's it. I mean, it's an interesting idea of having a character that was born or I guess was around a really, really long time ago. And then it's now thrust in this new world. And he's like, my people are a joke now. And we're selling items. It's like we used to be feared and that kind of pisses him off. I, I wanted to see, you know, I would have loved this scene, a scene where after this. He's back at the place and he's got a pitcher of blood and he's eating Count Chocula. And he just, <laughs> he just takes a bite and he's like, hmm, not bad. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Purcell as Dracula for um, this movie? I like Purcell in The Flash as uh, Rory, the, the, the torch guy, because that character is kind of a doof and kind of like sullen and just like he's got his moments i don't think drake is charismatic enough to be dracula yeah you know what i mean he, i think he would have been better served as like the muscle of like dracula's henchmen yeah. honestly i think if you were going to have dracula in this movie uh somebody like udo kier would have probably been a better fit even though he was in the first movie but whatever we'll put a mustache on him it'd be fine Right. Um, he's not bad. I don't think he's bad by any means. I just feel like it's the same problem with the rest of the cast. They don't have much to work with. It's not they're bad. I actually like most of them in this movie, despite the problems. It's just like, it's so weird how you have Blade 1, Blade 2, and things just keep getting more and more hyped. I'm like, man, I can't wait for Blade 3. And then it's like a freaking car wreck. Like, yeah. Everything about it, the vibe is off, the dialogue is off, the tone is eh. Blade's a side character almost in his third yeah, movie. Yeah, and allegedly he did that to himself. But um Yeah. You know, Dracula's there and you know, he 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 basically like you said, considers his people a joke and he's like, you know, I'll show you guys. And he goes to the Night Stalkers and proceeds to slaughter every single one of them. I do like this scene in the movie because it, it does kind of pose, sets him up as a threat. Like he's, it's not that he takes up him and a bunch of his minions. It's just him. So yeah. it's uh, probably one of the best, better parts that sets yeah. him up as a, as a threat. And, and, and another counterpoint to that is when he does that, um, Abigail Whistler, Jessica Beale, and Blade, they're on the hunt to kind of see what the big plot is for the vampires. And there was a plot point that you, if you watch blade one and pay attention to the background and the opening scenes, when they're at the meatpacking plant, this was a plot point that was dropped from the movie and dropped from part two, but they brought it back. And it's so funny because it looks kind of ridiculous. Giant. They're, they're literally talking about farming humans and they yes. have them in these giant blood bags. Um, so blade and, and Abigail, uncover the secret the fbi agent who's in on the take um shows him that there is a farm full of blood packs of humans uh blood bags 
and so they kill all the blood bags. They shut them all down because they're comatose. They're they're all vegetables. Um, and they realize like, ooh, vampires bad. We got to stop them. Like, yeah, vampires always bad. We got to stop them. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't there? He didn't the guy also like this is also how we're solving the homeless problem. Yes, he was like, this is great. Where <laughs> it's not like we're going after the people that matter or anything. <laughs> right. So, you know, Blade's like, I'll give you a running chance. I I do love this. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you a, give you the count of ten. And the dude like runs out of the barn. He's like ten, boom, shoots him. Yeah, I was like, that dude should have known. That dude should have really known that Blade will always get his man. Um, so by the time they get back, they find the Night Stalkers are all dead, except for Ryan Reynolds. We got to keep him alive because you know he's carrying There's the little this girl movie. too, and the little girl's been kidnapped. We find out that Dracula likes to kidnap little girls, little creepo. <laughs> Um, so we get to back to the vampires, you know, um, Parker Posey's building and, um, they've got, uh, Ryan, I, I, I do love Ryan's dialogue in this movie and a lot of it is improv, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, because, and again, we'll, we'll talk about why here in a sec. Uh, you know, his dialogue between him and Parker Posey as a, um, broken up couple, <laughs> a bunch of exes is hilarious. There is We're a part also, of me in Deadpool 3 that I hope he, while he's universe hopping, he just <laughs> runs into Hannibal King, like, just for, like, a moment. I, I kind of want that. I know that Hannibal King, well, he's on, the Blade Blade characters are owned by Marvel now, so that could happen. Yeah, it's all, it's all connected now at this point, so not a problem. But, um, that, at the same time, they introduce a thing that I'm like, reaper dogs <laughs> oh god it's like resident it's, evil yeah i'm like a vampire pomeranian i do love that line and i love you know triple h being all nice with the vampire pomeranian but at the same time i'm like okay that's a reaper mouth and we watched right. the last movie the reapers are bad yeah what reaper strain vampires what are you doing and you know who else has reaper mouth dracula Oh, that's right. Dracula has Reaper Mouth. In his like demon form. Yeah, in his full form. So I'm like, what is what is going on here? I don't I don't know. Strange. They never explain that connection. They don't really, it's just it's a gag, and I'm like, ugh. Um But uh, you know, Blade and Abigail, they they of course assault the building. There's a good, you know, good fight scenes and, and they're playing they're playing some good hip hop. It's it's good, it's good, it's fine. And, uh, you know, we have uh, Ryan Reynolds' character face off against his ex. And, um, you know, uh, Abigail is facing off against the other vampires and stuff. And Blade has to take on Dracula. Yep. The other thing I forgot to mention was that, um, oh, what's her name? I just forgot her name. Um, Natasha Leone's character, Summerfield, created a cure for vampirism based off the DNA of Drake. Yeah. Like they managed to get a sample of him and they figure out a way to, to, to cure vampires, but she doesn't, well, actually not cure, destroy all vampires. And she doesn't know what it's going to do to blade. If anything, yes, cause he's half vampire. Um, so they have this, um, this doomsday device, on an on an arrow because Abigail loves the bow and arrow. That's her thing, compound bow. And while Blade is fighting uh, Drake, 
Drake, Drake, Drake. Um, he they, they, he calls him an MFR, and Dra- and Dracula is like, "Ooh, MFR, I like that name." I'm like, "That's what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, I get it. Some MFRs are always trying to ice skate uphill." <laughs> But, you know, they fight and fight and fight, 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 fight. And, you know, Blade is getting his ass handed to him because it's Dracula. It's the main bad. But he does get a couple shots in. Abigail fires the arrow um, after uh, Dracula gets stabbed, I believe. Um, I may be remembering this out of order. But it releases um, the uh, vampire doomsday device throughout the whole building. And they all start disintegrating. And I love Parker Posey starts dying. And Ryan Reynolds is like, just stay right here. I'll go get help. And just leaves her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's phenomenal. Um, they really had a hate-hate relationship. So, Yeah. Um, but yeah, so all the vampires die. Dracula dies. And um, at one point, I think they were going to film it. Blade is like missing or whatever, but we don't know. Like there was like several different endings. Ryan Reynolds did a little. He did the yeah. opening monologue and he was going to do the closing uh, dialogue. Um, they just leave him there. They leave his body there. Like the the police show up and they pick him up, and I, the movie ends with him in the morgue. Like it's implied that he bites somebody. It's like why yeah, would they it, just leave it, him there regardless whether or not he's dead? Yeah, it is implied, but then there's there's other takes where Ryan's like, "Oh, Blade, he's fine. He's he's out there in the world." I'm like, "Okay, great." And then there's another take. There's an end scene where I believe Ryan Reynolds and um, uh, Jessica Biel are at a casino, and now they're fighting werewolves. Yes, I do remember that. We've killed all the vampires. The cure spread out from the building and destroyed all the vampires out in the world somehow. I don't I don't see how that works because air dispersal patterns aren't that good. Nope. But <laughs> not that I've ever heard. Um, but now they're fighting werewolves. I'm like, okay, that's cool because there are werewolf werewolf by night, you know? That'd have been a great little spinoff. This movie was a freaking train wreck. <laughs> um so it's been aired out that ryan reynolds had to do a lot of extra scenes a lot of extra dialogue because um i don't know what happened to um wesley snipes between blade two and three um you know like i said they had talked about doing the whole mad max thing but maybe the success of blade two got to his head but he hated goyer being the director he hated the script Apparently he spent most of his days in this in the trailer getting high and refusing to come out. So Ryan would have to do extra because they had to film that day. You have you you have a limited number of days and a budget. You have to film something every day. You have to be productive. You can't just say, eh, we're not filming today because Wesley doesn't feel like it. So I think a lot of problems with this film were that it was probably evolving every day depending on Wesley's mood. You know? Yeah. Um, have you heard uh, how extreme it got between Wesley and uh, David Goyer, at least supposedly? Um, I've heard bits and pieces. I know that there are scenes in the movie where Blade's supposed to talk, 
and he just stands there and says nothing. So another character chimes in, and most of the time it's Ryan Reynolds. Um, I've heard that they got into like a fight or something, like phys a physical confrontation. I've heard that. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but uh, so I know it wasn't like a happy time on set. Um, Wesley got into such a huge confrontation, he threatened Goyer. To the point, Goyer actually hired like bikers to be his security. Yeah, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like I have, you know, I feel bad for Goyer. It's like they 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 tapped him to do this project, and Wesley just didn't want. Like I, I think Wesley's like me, where he's like, "Well, what have you directed? You haven't done shit, so I don't want you here." But, but the thing like, is, he was the writer on the first two movies, so you think, hey. It's his first shot. Let's try to help him out, you know, because he was the star of the first two. You would think that they they would have had some sort of a friendship from him writing the first two films, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about the man who helped Christopher Nolan launch the Batman Begins, the Dark Knight. Like, those were his scripts. <laughs> but yeah, they they had such a horrible relationship during this whole time that Ryan Reynolds had to fill in for everything. And I, I, I'm sure Ryan probably feels a way about that. I don't know what he feels, but that had, to, I mean, it just kind of shows in the product. And the thing is, Goyer, I think, is a great script writer. I love all the projects he's been involved with for the most part. But he doesn't, he doesn't have a style. Like, if you look at the first Blade, like I said, everything is chrome and uh dull blue lifeless like very you know very blue gray and then the blood is red but it's darkly saturated um blade 2 is so colorful but not in a like batman forever way it fits the mood they are colors that are very horrific um the sewers have a lovely blue tint the nighttime shots outside the city are yellow. There's red flashing lights all around, like the vampire scenes, uh, you know, in the headquarters and everything. It's it's definitely, you can tell that it was intentional. They had a production designer. They had a plan. Blade 3 feels like it was filmed on an iPhone. <laughs> it has no color scheme to it. It has no like theme at all. It just kind of feels like we're just shooting scenes just to shoot scenes. Um, I, I, it's, it's a thing where I would just love, is there any film trilogy out there where part three is good? Uh, Lord of the Rings. I see. I'm not a big fan of Return of the King. I really don't. I'm, I'm more not of a, two a train tower. wreck, right? That's true. It's definitely tighter than most uh part threes out there in the world um army of darkness nah, i'm more of an evil dead 2 guy <laughs> um i love army of darkness but i feel like evil dead 2 is a little bit tighter so. i like alien 3 that's just me um I, I love alien 3 now but if you're gonna be objective about it it's a disaster like yeah but that's not it's not the director's fault it's no again studio inter interference but 
and I'm not saying I'm not blaming the director for this. I'm not, I'm just I'm saying the curse of the th- the third movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I can think of a couple more. It's like I think Nightmare on Elm Street three is probably my that's my the best favorite one. Elm Street. Yeah, that's the best one. Um, <laughs> Predators is good. Predators a good is third. a lot of fun. All right, see, there's a couple there. There's a couple there. I mean, everybody hates Predators, but you and I like it, so that's all that matters. Right. <laughs> So, but but there is enough of the third movie problem. Like, I I'm not a big fan of Search for Spock. I am not a big fan of Alien Three. Terminator Three is basically just Terminator Two all over again. Yeah, I think um, you can definitely say that for the most part, uh, the third movie in a trilogy, while not always like took a complete train wreck like Blade Trinity, it's a step down. You can at least say for for in most cases. Yeah. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is a great third movie. <laughs> there we go. I love Thor Ragnarok. Um, but yeah, it it, it just feels and I, and I hate. So you had Blade Blade, then you have Blade Two, and then it's like Blade Trinity. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Trinity. I mean, yeah. Trinity does mean three. I get it, but it just sounds too pretty. <laughs> yeah, I think I. It stinks because there's a lot of good ideas in this movie that I think had everybody been on board and it had been more of a collaborative effort, it could have worked. Or at least we would have gotten a better movie. Um, and there's parts of this movie that I really enjoy. It's by no means like I wouldn't put it in the top 10 worst comic book movies of all time. I think it's just a huge step down from its predecessors. Um, I think Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds are good additions. Um, the behind the scenes stuff is interesting. I don't know if you heard about, have you heard about Jessica Biel accidentally destroying a, a $300,000 camera? I did not know. Oh yeah, actually, I, I think I have heard of it. Go ahead. You know, so, me. <laughs> so in the finale, when she shoots the arrow at Drake, she has the scene where she shoots the arrow and it's at the camera, but they're like the holes that for the lens is so small, you're never going to be able to do it. So just, just shoot. And they have perspective <laughs> glass, and she makes the shot. <laughs> and there's behind-the-scenes stuff of the arrow going into the lens, and her reaction is priceless. It's like it's like when Sigourney Weaver made the basket with the basketball in Alien Resurrection. Right. It's a one-in-a-billion chance. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer with a whip. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think I think the supporting cast is solid a couple of them are miscast i think you could have gotten somebody else's dracula and maybe purcell could have played triple h's part instead um uh but yeah it's the the behind the scenes stuff it it just shows throughout the movie despite the fact that it has a, a very strong start yeah, I, I think the premise isn't bad. Like having him fight Dracula sounds like a natural thing, considering that's what he did in the comic books. Um, but it just it just kind of went off the rails, very Alien Three style. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we, you know, fast forward uh, to two thousand six, and uh, Blade the series lands on Spike. Um, and oddly enough, this is the only of the four Blade properties we're talking about today. This is the only one that you can find on a streaming service. As 
at least as, as far as I checked this morning, it's still on Tubi. It, yep, I was watching it the other day on Tubi as a little refresher. And um, it's apparently a se sequel to Trinity. Yeah, yeah, it's it was going to be um, originally a Showtime series starring Wesley Snipes, but he turned it down. Uh, so then they had to revamp, and then um, Spike picked it up. Uh, and it, it is it is a sequel to the series. It definitely keeps the very universe, like in-universe thing. The only thing is um, it's on network TV, or not network TV, uh, it's on cable TV, so it can't go completely hard R all the time. Uh, there are scenes of nudity. There are some scenes where Blade, like, fights a vampire, goes through, like, a hotel room, and there's a chick uh, having relations. Um, but it, but it definitely keeps the vibe. Uh, it's basically Blade on a budget. Yeah. Uh, and this time, um, we've got, uh, well, the creator of the show, David Goyer, so he's still involved a little bit. Um, but instead of Wesley Snipes, we got Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers is Blade. <laughs> Or um, known as Kirk Jones. Kirk Jones. Kirk. Well, it, it's so funny because like I know his name was Kirk Sticky Fingers Jones because that's how they they list it. But on yeah. IMDb, IMDb, he's just Sticky Fingers. That's hilarious. Um, Nelson Nelson Shin plays basically the Scud replacement, or Nelson Lee as Shin plays the Scud replacement, and Jill Wagner plays Krista Starr, our character that gets dragged into the world of vampires. Uh, she plays a um, a military vet who uh, is trying to solve, I believe, her brother's disappearance. Um, I think he was a familiar. He gets kind of sucked into the vampire world. And Neil Jackson as Marcus Van Skyver. Now, here's the funny thing is I'm pretty sure that last name. At the time, there was a comic book artist named Ethan Van Skyver who was pretty hot. Uh, Ethan nowadays is a anti-LGBTQ troll piece of garbage. Um, he actively uh, goes against that stuff and, and likes to ruffle a lot of feathers with his, his attitude. But I think this guy is named after him, which I'm fine because he's a vampire villain. <laughs> he's I mean, a scumbag. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, was he doing that sort of thing at this time, the time the, the series came out? I don't think we knew because social media really was in its infancy. Right. Um, I think Facebook wasn't going to land for another year or at least another couple of months. So we didn't really get, you know, to know Ethan like we do nowadays. So when they named him this, it was more of a tribute, you know, that kind of thing. But I'll, I'll just, I'll just say right now, I'm just, I'm just saying like, yeah, they named him that cause he's a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new that's my new headcanon. And I don't use that name headcanon very often. Um and we have Paula uh oh, no 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 I'm trying to think here. There were there are a couple other vampire familiars that hang out in the show. Um kind of get a rotating cast of little vampire villains per episode. Um What what did you think about Blade the series? So I loved it when it first came out. I thought it was good. I mean, it was different from what was on TV at the time. It kind of reminded me of, um, oh, Witchblade. And I'm like looking at the Wikipedia and I was like, 13 episodes. It felt like it was on longer than that. But yeah. um, I think. Just like I Witchblade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a series that I really liked. And I, I'm sad that it got canceled the way that it did. Um, 
and we yeah. can talk we can talk about <laughs> that another time but uh, i think overall i think it's good for what it is i i would recommend it to people that are fans of the movies or just blade in general i think it's as a whole it's better than blade trinity um i think kirk jones is a good blade um it kind of stinks they didn't hire another martial artist to play the character as far as i know kirk jones is just not i don't want to say just a rapper um because that obviously takes a lot of hard work but i don't know how good he was with the stunts or not um but it's uh snipes's absence is definitely felt because he brought an energy a certain energy to the fight scenes um so obviously the slight fight scenes aren't as on par as with the first with all three movies um but overall i think it's it's a missed opportunity and i wish they would have continued with it yeah it was kind of an era of tv shows coming out that were like oh these are really cool but you almost immediately knew they didn't have a hope in hell of continuing um before i move on one last note here um i want you to say it i want you to say sticky fingers sticky fingers well there you go one one thing this the show does have a great episode that i remember very well where they have a flashback to whistler finding blade and we find out that whistler has his um his limp because that's where because he got attacked by blade as a kid um so they set up blades um origin in this in one episode and we get a younger whistler and we find out how he got the limp um and obviously he notices wait a minute i got attacked by a vampire out in the day this kid's obviously different um so if you're gonna only watch one episode of the series i was looking it up it's called sacrifice i would check that one out because uh, i remember that one probably being the strongest one in the series yeah i mean the biggest i'd say the biggest criticism i have for the blade series is that since it's a you know weekly tv show it suffers the trope of like we need to make this very um soap opera like the vampires in the the, the show um especially dealing with the lady who helps blade there's this whole drama of her getting sucked into the coven like undercover yeah um and this was 2006 so how old was i i would have been uh probably almost 13 12 so it's like i was just like oh a, a hot vampire chick let's go <laughs> so but there's a but, lot of dry, there's a lot of dry moments between marcus and the other vamps of like just drama soap opera drama yeah i don't particularly remember much about the villains of the show so i think that that's something that you could say it's like the villains at least for me aren't memorable because I, I i don't really remember them other than like you said they feel like soap opera villains but they're vampires yeah which why isn't that a thing why isn't there a soap opera show that's about vampires i feel like that would be there popular. was have you never watched dark shadows Oh, I know that. I'm talking like one that like has gone on for like 30 or 40 years, like days of our lives. Dark Shadows was on for a long time. It just, you know, then it got revamped and then uh, it got canceled and then it got turned into a horrible Tim Burton movie. Dark Shadows. Yeah, there's an old 60s Dark Shadows. It, it ran pretty, pretty long. Like, oh, least, wow, you're right. 1,225 yeah. episodes. Yep. Huh. Yep. 
I didn't realize I, it was on for I, that long. I'm glad I could educate you on something. That was nice. Yeah. Huh. Um, okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. So with Blade Trinity and Blade the TV show, we've kind of had some bleak moments. I mean, you know, like there was little glimpses of fun stuff, but then we had nothing for the longest time. Now, hopefully in the year 2025, we are going to have a Blade movie again. Yeah. This, this time starring, uh, I can't pronounce his damn name. Marshall Ali. Marshall Ali. There you go. Marshall Ali. And Delroy Lindo. Oh, man, that's awesome. People are like, who the hell is Delroy Lindo? Shut up. Mia Goth is going to be in it. Great actress. Yep. Um, their last, The last time they talked about their movie Slate, though, Blade was kind of pushed back, if not not really announced any kind of new movement. So I hope, like with this push for the X-Men now and the push for Fantastic Four... They need to get Blade back. Yeah, I, I think, think Marshall um, Ali would make a great new modern Blade. So I agree. He's a good actor. I liked him in, I think it was Luke Cage that that was a series he was in. Uh, yes, he played the villain of the series. Yeah, and if and if I'm gonna be honest, if I was to have a fan cast of Whistler, I honestly I'd pick Wesley Snipes. I think that would be cool uh, if he could keep his ego in check and be okay with playing the mentor character. I mean. He seemed to have oh. mellowed out since he got out of jail, so maybe that would be a good idea. You could be the new whistler. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I I think that would be a good. I I think that'd be great. Yeah, but um, I think that's it. I think we've covered quite a bit of Blade today. I'm not going to talk about the anime because I've never bothered to watch it. I just have same function. <laughs> but um, before we go, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask live, you know, in the recording. What do you think about doing a RoboCop retrospective next time? Of like the four movies, or are we talking the both the TV series too? Oh man, I want to do as much as we can. I want to do the movies. I want to talk about the original '90s TV show. I want to talk about um, just just all things RoboCop. I'm, I'm I've become obsessed with RoboCop lately. I don't know why. Well, there was <laughs> that new game that just came out that that was really good. Well, um, since I don't have a computer or a PS5, I can't play the damn thing, but um, it looks fun. Well, if you have an Xbox, you can play it on that. I don't have an Xbox. Damn it. Uh, okay, well, I think we should do the movies in one episode and the TV shows in the second one, so I have the time to at least watch a couple of episodes because I've, I've not watched the RoboCop TV shows in years, and I honestly, I remember the Blade TV show better okay. than the RoboCop shows. Fair enough. We're going to do two-parters, everybody. We're going to talk about the movies, and then we're going to talk about the rest of the stuff. Because <laughs> I also want to talk about the comic books, the stuff that Frank Miller wrote after the fact. There's some fascinating like decisions between RoboCop 2 and 3 and what happens later on. But just Definitely. Really bizarre. But that's it for our episode today. Um, Alex, you want to go ahead and uh, spiel about something? <laughs> um, well... I uh, we my girlfriend and I just re-released our uh, B movie bingo on Atlantic Rim. Our next episode is going to be on the Jaws ripoff Grizzly. Instead of a shark, you have a grizzly bear. Um, Excellent. It's actually I would actually consider that a good B movie. So uh, you can watch that on Tubi, but watch our episode on it first. So that'll be out hopefully within the next week or two. 
Um, I have some other announcements hopefully to make by the next time we record. Um, but I got a lot of stuff I'm working on. All right. Sounds awesome. And you can check out, uh, my family's podcast. It's called from our couch. You can check it out on Amazon music, uh, Apple music and Spotify. You can also check out my artwork for t-shirt designs on Croctopus art on tpublic.com. And if you do want to see more of my art, you can check me out on TikTok as Crocopus Art. Uh, time to say goodbye. Don't skate up ice hill. Don't skate ice skate uphill. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. You're not supposed to ice skate uphill. You'll fall down and hurt yourselves, okay? Don't do it. I've done it. It's not pleasant. <laughs> All right, everybody. Bye-bye.